0: 1 John, um, I want to start a series this morning, you see on the screen in front of you, that you may know, uh, that was John's uh, theme. that was John's uh, repeated words, I believe it's five times uh, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, that he says these things, he says, I write these things that you may know. John was not a, a hope-so or uh, think-so believer. John was a no so uh, believer. And so uh, he, he writes these things that we may know. There's ever been a time uh, in history uh, where the church needed uh, that kind of confidence and that kind of assurance uh, 2022 uh, is certainly uh, at the top of the list. We we need that uh, that confidence uh, in uh, in our world today. Gen Z, uh, Generation Z, which is the current uh, generation. You've heard of baby boomers and uh, others. The current generation is labeled as Gen Z. Uh, just recently, a number came out uh, that said over, I believe it was over half. Uh, of those in Gen Z, which is, again, our our nation's young people today, uh, believe that Jesus was a sinner, uh, that he sinned while on this earth, uh, and so we are definitely confused uh, about our faith, uh, what things that God would have us to know which again goes back to my statement about emphasizing discipleship uh, and spiritual growth. And so uh, as we look at this little letter, uh, that is the the purpose uh, that we shore up uh, our faith. Everybody knows, uh, regardless of what you know about building, everybody knows enough uh, to know that the foundation is what really matters. You, can, you, you put a pretty roof on something with a bad foundation, it'll fall in. Uh, and so uh, these are kind of some foundational things that, uh, that John shares uh, in this letter. Now one thing about this letter you'll notice, uh, we call it First John, and I'm standing here saying, uh, talking about John writing, nowhere in the letter uh, does John identify uh, himself as the author? But there is no real uh, debate based on what he wrote. Uh, you compare some things in this, uh, in these letters, with the Gospel of John, uh, and th- there really is no uh, debate. It's pretty obvious that uh, that John uh, was uh, the writer. Uh, we're not exactly sure when he wrote. Uh, There's an argument really for two different time periods uh, When he wrote about 30 to 40 years apart Uh, Most people tend to believe he probably uh, the letter was written probably around the year uh, 85 or 90 AD somewhere in that range others put it about 30 years uh, earlier, I don't know that that really uh, affects it uh, that much Uh, one of the reasons for believing that uh, that uh, 85 to 90 is because of what it doesn't mention. Uh, He doesn't mention uh, the Roman emperor uh, Domitian, Uh, and so he was on the throne, uh, and he was a ruler in uh, 95, uh, and so pretty obvious he wrote before that. Uh, and again, it's, uh, again, just, uh, most people agree uh, with that date that all three of them, all three of the letters were written uh, at about the same time. Uh, in fact, a lot of people believe that 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, were all written and stuck in the same envelope. Uh, that they were all written uh, together and sent uh, at uh, the same time. He was writing uh, to the church. I really didn't realize this. Uh, think about it as much when uh, I felt uh, God kind of leading me here uh, was we're going looking at the book of Ephesians on Wednesday night. Uh, maybe there's a common theme in what God is doing uh, because 1 first, uh, first John uh, was written to the Ephesians as well. Uh, it was written to the, uh, to the church uh, at Ephesus um, he doesn't give them a greeting. He doesn't give them a goodbye. He just jumps right in uh, to, his, uh, to his message uh, so that they may know, uh, so that uh, they would understand uh, what he was uh, writing about. Um, and uh, one of the things that was going on at that time Uh, was there was a group of people, when you hear preachers, and you hear this in Sunday school lessons often, uh, come up and there was uh, one of the real, the the, the main uh, false teaching that was going on uh, was known as uh, Gnosticism. Uh, and Gnosticism basically said, uh, your body is evil, uh, and so you've got to do everything you can to control your own body. Uh, the flip side of that was somebody, some said, well, since your body's evil, don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do, and so just go ahead and do whatever you want to. Uh, and so uh, and it, it was a, it's a really interesting um, curious uh way of uh looking uh at life I said one side of it said do whatever you want to uh the other sides believed that if you could just control uh your body if you could control the urges and the uh and the things uh that your body desired then that means you were spiritual uh and so it's uh it, it's uh it's an odd uh fault and so that was going on uh around them and uh again John is writing Uh, so that they could know. Uh, Again, you had uh, this teaching. One side that said, you know, it really doesn't matter what you do uh, because your body is evil. One side that said, well, if you just control your own body, uh, you'll be all right. Uh, And John was going to write and say, no, neither of those is correct. What matters uh, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, What matters uh, is your spiritual walk and your life uh, with him. So he's going to jump right in uh, to that... Uh, to that fault in uh, First John, as he goes in again, he doesn't greet them. He doesn't uh, like a lot of the epistles. He just uh, gets right to the point that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, has come to earth. Uh, he has come to seek and to save that which is lost, uh, and you need to be saved. I mean, John uh, was really uh, just straight to uh, the the point uh, about it. And, and again, uh, again, he, he's reminding them that God. God uh, hasn't forgotten them. Uh, that God is interested uh, in uh, in humanity. Uh, that He does care uh, about man and, and wants a again a relationship uh, with them. So beginning in uh, verse one, again He just jumps right in uh, to his um, uh, to his message when He begins uh, by talking about here uh, the existence of the Messiah. Uh, the existence of the Messiah. Look what he says uh, in verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. He says to them something that was extremely uh, important, again, for this culture, uh, and for our culture as well, uh, to understand. He says, Jesus Christ, he says he was from the beginning. He has always uh, existed. He has always been. uh, There is no question uh, about who uh, Jesus was. Now when uh, we see that phrase, that says that which was uh, from the beginning, uh, we think about the beginning. What the phrase really points to uh, and speaks to is that he had always uh, existed. And he had uh, even before uh, the, the beginning of earth. He wasn't just saying from the beginning of our time, he was saying from the beginning. He's always been. Uh, He wasn't saying from the day, from the time we started counting days, he's saying that he has always uh, existed, that he has always been. There is no question about that that he is living, he has always been living, he is still living, he was living, he is living, he will be living. Uh, and, and so he is uh lifting up uh Jesus Christ a- as the eternal uh Savior as the uh eternal one that he has uh created uh all things again uh I think about what he said uh the same author said in his gospel in John Uh, chapter 1 in the opening verse when he said in the beginning uh, was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Uh, And so that was a big issue to John. Uh, Evidently John uh, hung around with or had some friends uh, who questioned uh, the eternality uh, of Jesus Christ who question who Christ was because uh, in both in all of his writings uh, John stresses the fact uh, that Jesus Christ has always existed. He didn't uh, just come to earth and walk around for 30some years uh, and that was the beginning and the end but he has always, Ben, Paul writes about it uh, in, in the book of Colossians, in chapter one. He says, "For by him uh, all things were created, and uh, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, uh, visible and in- invisible, whether they be uh, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created uh, by him and for him, and he is before all things." And, and so, it is important to John. It is important. Uh, to Scripture... It is therefore important to you and I that we understand the eternal nature of Jesus Christ. He is not just someone who came on the scene for a few years uh, on this earth. He is uh, the second part of the Trinity. He has always been. uh, He has always existed. All things, He says, uh, were created uh, by Him. And He came to earth to prove who he is, to prove uh, that fact, taking on Human flesh. And again, this would have been uh, specifically uh, directed at those uh, Gnostics who place such an emphasis on Scripture uh, when John says there, uh, we saw Him, we handled Him, we talked to Him, we walked with Him, we listened to Him. Uh, we, we have seen Him uh, repeatedly. And so uh, they were, he was stressing to Him that we know I, and I like the fact uh, here, one of the things that John is stressing here, he doesn't say, um, you know, I heard about Jesus. He doesn't say someone told me these stories. He says, we. So right there, you've got a, a multiple of witnesses. I, I, you know, pretty much most of you know this. If you, go, if you go in the courtroom and one person stands up and says, I saw him do it, you might get away. You might get away with it. But if two or three stand up and say, oh, I saw him do it, you're going, you're going to be found guilty. Yeah, him. yeah. did. Well, Paul, uh, John says here, we saw him. We talked to him. We touched him. There's multiple evidence. We are confident of who Jesus Christ is. That he was the Messiah, uh, as they just sang about. That he was Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, there, there was no doubt uh, in, in John's mind. He wanted to stress to these people that the Son of Man, uh, the Son of God, actually took on flesh, came, uh, was born in a manger, walked this earth, was tempted uh, in all ways as uh, as man has dealt with uh, the uh, the trials and the tribulations of uh, of human flesh, was tempted uh, in, in this world. They heard him teach. They saw his miracles. John says, there is no question who the Messiah is. There is no question who Jesus was in our mind. We are confident, not because we heard it, not because we read it, but because we witnessed it with our own eyes. What is it we say, our our cliché today, uh, not just today, but it's been around a while, seeing is believing. John says, I saw. There's no doubt. He says, I was there. I ran to that tomb. I went into that tomb. I saw the empty tomb. I saw the folded napkin. I saw the grave clothes laying there. I saw the resurrected Jesus. I saw the scars in His hand. I saw His pierced side. I know. I know. And I'm writing these things so that you may know. I'm writing these things so that you can hear them as well. John says we, me, me and the other believers, the other disciples, we saw him with our own eyes. He walked amongst us. He came out. We saw Him for three years in His earthly ministry. We saw Him hang on a cross. We saw Him die. We saw Him be prepared for the grave. We saw Him be put in the grave. We saw the empty tomb. And we saw Him for 40 days after. There is no question in our mind. There is no doubt. We saw Him. Men saw Him. Was it what John is saying? Not just His followers... Not just his disciples, but there are others who saw him as well. There are others who saw him would, would make that claim. wasn't just a, a, a fairy tale, wasn't just a, a, a ghost, wasn't just a, a phantom, but he was real, and he existed. Oh, John wants them to know that. John says, "I know that, and I write these things, and I want you to know that. You say, Jimmy, why in the world is that such a big deal to you today? Because Why is that such an important issue here in May of 2022? Haven't we gone be... No, we haven't gone. We're going backwards. We, we live in a world where more and more doubt the, 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 the divinity of Jesus Christ. We've got Jehovah's Witnesses running everywhere saying he was a good teacher. We've got a lot of religions running around everywhere that will say, oh, he was a good man. He was a good prophet. He was a good teacher. He was this. He was. But the fact of the matter is, John you're right. He was a good teacher. He was a good prophet. He was a good man. But he was so much more. He was the very Son of God in the flesh. Listen, it matters. It matters. Matter to John. It still matters. He had came and he had taken on flesh and blood. And, and, and again, we saw him and we witnessed him. Listen, uh, that they, they were uh, Matthew Henry says there were eye witnesses and there were ear witnesses. They saw him and they heard him. There was no doubt a, as they heard him teach. We see countless times we we see in Scripture where Jesus was teaching and when they heard him teach, just his words, they said. Now, think about that Roman soldier there at the bottom of the cross who, watching him die, the way he died, said, surely, this is the Son of God, surely, even in the way he died, man recognized who he was, the existence of God, listen, he came to earth and walked this earth, listen, To become the very Savior of this world. To show man that they can have a relationship. To show man that they can have a relationship with God. To show him, as he says, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. The existence of the Messiah. John says, I know that. And I want to write these things so that you will know the existence of the Messiah. But not just the existence of the Messiah. If you keep going in verse 2. He says uh, in, in that verse, the, the experience of the message. John says in verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested in us. If you read these four verses together, if you read all four of them together, you, you, you'll notice here that it is obvious that John had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. If this letter, for whatever reason, was named the letter to Concord, and, we had, and it didn't say, as it does, it, nowhere in this letter does it say who the author is. But if instead of being called 1 John and causing us to go, oh, I've heard of John. John was one of the disciples. I know about John. John blah, 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 blah. If If this just said the letter to Concord and you read it, you would say when you got done, I don't know who wrote it, but he knew Jesus. I don't know, I I don't know who the author was, but this man, this woman, whoever it is, had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, you wouldn't even have to read the whole letter. Again, just the first four verses, you could read those. And if you had no idea who the author was, you would know that the author knew Jesus. You'd know that the author met Jesus, walked with Jesus. You, do. you would know that the author had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me veer off down a little detour that just ran through my mind for a moment. It wasn't part of the original thought process of this message. But wouldn't it be really cool? Wouldn't it be really great if we could say the same thing about Christians in our world today? That you wouldn't have to know my name. You wouldn't have to know where I went to church. You wouldn't have to see my Bible. Or my "Honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. Or my fish thing on the bumper. Or my cross around my neck. But just by hearing me talk. Just by watching me live. You'd say something special about them. If you didn't know who the author was, you'd still know the author knew Jesus. You'd still have no doubt. These first four verses make it clear that he's not passing on secondhand information. That he has personally experienced that That. In all of his senses, we saw him, we smelled him, we touched him. We know who Jesus is. There's no doubt about John's personal experience with Jesus Christ. That he had been manifest. We bear witness, he says. You know, one of the basic tenets of our law system today, of our court system, is you cannot go into the courtroom and go on to the stand and say, well, they say, did Debbie rob the bank? And you say, well, I heard she did. They'll throw you out. You can't say, I, I heard it. You yeah. know, what, what, what Archie told me she did. You yeah. and the truth is, Archie robbed the bank. Yeah, listen, you, you, know, you, you can't go into the courtroom and come up with a stand and say, well, I heard Sherry say that Melissa did. Uh, they, they'll throw you out for that. That, 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 that won't fly. You've got to be able to climb up on the witness stand and say, I saw her running out of the bank, toting the money with a pistol in her hand. Yeah. You've got you to be able to say, I saw it. John says, John wants people to know I experienced Jesus Christ. I had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. That's why one of the simplest ways to share your faith. One of the simplest ways to tell others about uh, salvation is to tell them a story with three parts in it. To tell them what your life was like before you met Jesus. Take about a minute and you tell them what your life was like before you met Jesus. Then all you've got to do is say, the second part of that is you say, and then I met Jesus Christ. And then the third part is now this is what my life is like. And John has just told us that. John has said, Then I met the Master. Then I met Jesus. I experienced Him. We have seen and we bear witness. Listen, there is something. John says, and, and, and here's a real issue I struggle with in today's culture. John says, I saw Jesus. And now, I am compelled to write these things so that you can know Jesus too. I've got to tell somebody. I have got to tell. So anybody in this room knows somebody, you can't tell them a secret. They'll bust a gut If they're forced to keep a secret, their head would explode. They just can't do it. They've got to tell somebody. Well, that's the way John was about Jesus. He says, I met Jesus. He says, I walked with Jesus for three years. I saw an empty tomb. I saw a resurrected Jesus. And I just can't be quiet. I just can't quit telling it. And I'm going to write these things again so that you can know what I know. I want you to experience what I have experienced. That that he he is compelled. He, He just cannot avoid telling that message. Listen, some people might say, Well, John had an advantage. You know, John did actually walk with Jesus. John actually did see the empty tomb. John actually did see the resurrected Jesus. He has... An advantage. There's a reason John was the way he was. But I was born a few centuries too late. I didn't see him on the cross. I didn't walk with him for three years. I didn't see the empty tomb. I didn't do all that. Listen, that's where it, it's all wrong. That's where, where, where you misunderstand what John was saying. John wasn't talking so much about his physical nearness to Jesus. He wasn't talking about the, the relationship they had physically, but it was his spiritual nearness. Listen, John was friend with Peter. He didn't write, no, he didn't write any letter bragging about Peter, now did he? John was friend with James and Matthew. He didn't write any letter talking about, about how they had changed his life, now did he? He walked with them. He was involved in miracles with them. He didn't write about that, did he? But what he did write about was what Jesus Christ had done inside of him. John's not bragging on this. When he says, I walk with him and talk with him, he's not bragging about his physical nearness. He's talking about his spiritual nearness. That the Jesus Christ had changed his heart and changed his life. And that was what his fellowship was based on. His fellowship was based with Jesus Christ it wasn't based on that he knew his mom and dad. It wasn't based on that he ate dinner at his house. It wasn't based on that, that you know, he knew his shoe size or his, you know, whatever. It was based on a spiritual change in his life. That was what John was talking about here. That was the experience that he was wanting to know. They had, he knew, listen, John doesn't say I have eternal life because I walked with Jesus for three years. He doesn't say I have eternal life because I was at the crucifixion. He doesn't say I have eternal life because on the cross Jesus asked me to take care of his mother. He says, I have eternal life because the Son of God transformed me internally. Listen, today, you don't have eternal life because you're in a church. You don't have eternal life because of how many Bible verses you've memorized. You don't have eternal life because you've got perfect attendance in church. You don't have eternal life because you've taught a Sunday school class. You don't have eternal life because you sing in a choir or because you sing a solo or because you have an offering. If you have eternal life, you have eternal life for one simple reason, and that is because Jesus Christ has taken out your hard heart and put in a new one and given you new life. That's what John was talking about. John says, that's what I know. Oh, I know Jesus. I knew what He liked to eat. I know what He was going to order at the restaurant. But that didn't change my life. What He did in my heart that's the experience I want you to know. That's the experience I want you to have. And then finally, John writes about the expectation of the multitude. Look what he says in verse 3. That's what we have seen and heard, Declare we unto you. There it comes back to that again. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. I didn't even mention when I started my title this morning, the foundation of fellowship. Listen, we can be friends, but fellowship, the foundation of fellowship, John says, that which we have seen and heard, that you may also have fellowship with us. John says, "We want you to be in the family. We want you to be part of the family of God." You see this? This is the expectation then yeah, of seeing Jesus. The expectation of seeing Jesus. You know, I find it interesting. We're now pushing fifty years later. People are still seeing Elvis. People are still seeing Elvis, folks. I know Elvis Presley is dead. No doubt in my mind. Cause when his daughter married Michael Jackson, he had a heart attack. If he wasn't dead, he is. Okay? Yeah. He's dead. He'd be 150 by now, wouldn't he? Elvis is dead. He didn't show up in your toast. He didn't show up in your coffee. He didn't show up, you know, in your cereal or anywhere else. He wasn't in Hobby Lobby looking at, you know, pictures. He did. Okay? But people, and it's kind of, some of y'all are real brokenhearted about that. I see him. You still listen to him. He's still on record. He just did. Okay? But you know how it was there for a while. Everybody was seeing Elvis. Couldn't wait and tell you they saw Elvis. The Elvis showed up. Well, I'm serious. You all remember something? Showed up in their toast. I don't want nobody showing up in my toast. Don't be showing up in my food. I don't care who you are. I mean Elvis, you know, they were seeing him everywhere. I'm like, why the world was Elvis If he was alive, why would he hang out in some of those places? Yeah. Why in the world would he go there? What in the world does Elvis need at Home Depot? You know, if he was showing up everywhere and people just, you know, oh, that's getting on TV, that's going everywhere. I saw Elvis, I saw Elvis. Why didn't you get him to sign something? Prove it. He posed for a picture. Why aren't we so excited about seeing Jesus? You see that all the time. It's not just Elvis. You see people all the time. You hear people telling their story, oh, I saw so-and-so out in you know, so this place or that place. Yeah. I'm so celebrity challenged. A lot of times people tell me I saw so-and-so and I'm like, who's that? You know, I, don't even, I don't even know who it was I saw. Yeah. I wouldn't know if I did see him. You know, He's just in my way. Get out of the way. I'm trying to get to the captain cards. Get out of the way. Why aren't we as excited about seeing Jesus as we are some celebrity? John says, we bear witness. That that we have seen and heard, we declare. We declare. Why? Why? John says, because we want you to have fellowship, and we want you to have joy. You know what? If you look at this world today, and you look at her problems, and you look at what's going on in our world, can I tell you, really, if you bullet it down, two of the biggest needs of mankind today. I shared with you a while back, uh, I have got into this thing where this company um, is paying for all kinds of television ads, internet ads, billboard ads, all kinds of promotions, and when people respond saying they need prayer, uh, based on their zip code, they will send them to a local church. Well, I get the ones for Concord. And I can tell you based on random prayer requests from people I don't know from all over this region, to big, you, you can really boil it down to two issues. This world is hungry. This world is started for fellowship and joy. They want a friend. I can't tell you how many of those prayer requests have come in. And somewhere in that prayer request, they would say something along these lines. I don't have anybody I can talk to. I don't have anyone I can talk to. And I guess you can judge by that statement that almost every one of them, in some form or fashion, is talking about being disturbed or depressed. What our world needs, what many Christians even need, is fellowship and joy. John says that comes from one place. We're going to declare unto you, we're going to declare unto you what we have seen and heard that you may have fellowship and you may have joy. Now, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to volunteer. Anybody in here know somebody who needs fellowship, friendship, somebody they can count on, and joy? process I was talking about a while ago that led me to this that we need to emphasize discipleship. One of the questions I heard somebody ask in all of this, again, that I've been drug through, was this question. Ask a church member, how many 2 a.m. friends do you have? You know what a 2 a.m. friend is? A 2 a.m. friend. One that you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning with any problem, great or small, and they'll, be your, and they'll, they'll, they'll talk to you and they'll walk with you through it. That's a 2 o'clock plan. How many 2 o'clock friends you got? I bet it's a short list, isn't it? Real short list. If you got more than one or two, you count yourself blessed. 2 a.m. friends. Christians have a whole list of 2 a.m. friends? If we're really growing disciples, if we're really making followers of Jesus, shouldn't we be 2 a.m. friends? Do you think John was a 2 a.m. friend to Peter? Do you think Peter was a 2 a.m.? Well, other than they didn't have telephones, but you get the idea. Fellowship. This world's starving for fellowship, a genuine friend, someone they can count on through thick and thin. Jesus came that we might have fellowship with God and we might have fellowship with each other. This world is starving for fellowship. Fellowship with each other and fellowship with God. That's why so many in this world are worshipping everything under the sun. They're worshipping idols of all kinds of nature. They're worshipping all kinds of things, all kinds of religions, because man is starving for fellowship with God. That's why so many of our young people, their lives are being destroyed because they're longing for fellowship, friendship. And that's why we see so many who are tangled up in the drugs and everything else because they get caught up with the wrong friend. Starving for fellowship. Listen. Starving for friendship. Starving for joy. Jesus says, John says, I, I declare these things that you might have fellowship and you might have joy. Listen to what I'm about to say. I don't know. I, I didn't. This is. I, I, I should have wrote down where I where I heard this statement because I want to. I would give credit. If I could, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I stole this line from somebody. I don't remember who. I just remember I read it somewhere. It said, "Fellowship is God's answer to the loneliness of life. Joy is God's answer to the emptiness of life." What two better words describe the average person in 2022? The average American than lonely and empty. I know you can't always tell and say so you can't read a book by its cover, but how many of you have been out in the mall and the shopping center in the grocery store and you see people walking up and down the aisle and you can look in their eyes and see loneliness and emptiness. You can see the pain in their face. John says, "We declare these things so that you can know Jesus Christ, so that you can deal, you can deal with the loneliness and the emptiness, the loneliness." And the emptiness. We write these things that you might know, might know. Many of you need fellowship and joy this morning. I ask you to bow your heads. We didn't get to one of those verses this morning. But I'm telling you, five different times in these these three little letters, John says, I write these things that you may know. That you may know. You don't have to leave here today doubting. You don't have to leave here today wondering. You can know you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you say Jimmy you're talking about loneliness and emptiness oh I know all about loneliness and emptiness I know all about it you can be lonely in a stadium of 70,000 people John says I write these things we declare Jesus to you so you can have fellowship and joy. Whatever burden, whatever you carry into this place, will you come and leave it at this altar this morning? You don't know Christ personally? John wants you to know. Don't leave here today saying, well, I hope I'm a Christian. I think I'm a Christian. I believe I'm a child of God. I believe I'm going to heaven. You can leave here knowing today. You can leave here knowing. John says, we saw him. We talked to him. We walked with him. We heard his message. And he changed us. He can change you today. He can change you. Father, thank you for your word today. God, I pray, Lord, in this room, God, that you'll touch hearts. God, there are believers even in this room. You need to know joy. You need to know fellowship. Who are lonely, and I pray, Lord, that you heart. God, that they did see Jesus, that they'd be reminded that Jesus loves them, that He died for them. God, for the one day today, on one online listening, that no know Christ's person. Lord, I pray that you'll touch your heart. God, you'll we'll see the need for your coming right on to Jesus today. And you'll we'll be blind what you do in this place. It's in Jesus love we'll you right now. Amen. As we stand together. So, this, that, that's this Sunday, no. this Sunday, the 21st, from 11 to 2. You will have us back up a little bit? We're the conference on and so we can do that, and then the uh, Sunshine is going to be to the Father's this Thursday, um, on so, um, so the So, and All right, and Heavenly Father, we thank you that for allowing us to be here for your work. Fellowship, and we pray that we perfectly the witnesses leave you, believe in you and that you are God, and we prepared for the of the same We pray that, we pray that we in <laughs>